Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our study we're doing now on Catholicism, the um, Queen of Heaven, the false ascended master Mary of the Catholic Church, the Catholic religious system. Uh, the first part, we also got into the origin of the word Christmas. And we're going to continue with this track from Trick Chick regarding why is Mary crying. And uh, then we're going to actually get back into a Bible study on Revelation um, 12, 1 through 6, regarding the woman and the man-child. Okay, so let's go further. Going back to this track, in these last days, the key to pulling all the religious religions together is the worship of the satanic mother goddess. Now, this track was written a long time ago. And this is exactly what we're seeing now with the Pope making this announcement. With all of this emphasis going to Mary, all of these, I mean, whole evangelistic programs being set in motion worldwide by the Catholic Church to focus in on Mary and her worship and her uh, apparitions, the lying signs and wonders that we've only seen the start of, in order to bring every all the Protestant denomination flock back under the mother whore of the Catholic Church. Here it says, in these last days, confirming what I just said, the key to pulling all the religions together, not just Catholicism and Protestantism, but all of the religions. Islam is another huge one. We're going to discuss that today. And then all of the other ones. Because again, you can go throughout, all the way back to Babylon, and then trace this through all these different pagan false religions that missionaries, and even it talked about earlier, the Jesuits would find. This same concept of the mother and child worship is interwoven because they learned them at Babylon. And then they got split up and they got sent to the four corners of the earth and they took this religion with them. And what it did is it just took on a different flavor or veneer. But it was the same religion of Semiramis and Tammuz and that worship that they learned you know, previously. So, the key to pulling all the religions together is the worship of the satanic mother goddess. Almost a billion Muslims will join because the Virgin Mary was carefully placed in their holy book, the Quran. Even the New Agers refer to a mother-father God. It's a huge thing. And you'd say, what do you mean the Virgin Mary is placed into their holy book, the Quran? Well, they make a really good case that the actual Islamic religion was actually started by the Catholics. I believe there's a comic book they've got called The Crusader. It's got a guy on a horse and he's got an Islamic flag. It's probably Muhammad. And they, they give the case on how the Catholic Church was actually actually started Islam. And it's pretty strong. I mean, I've never really seen it refuted. So, again, it would be one of, one of the wayward daughters of Catholicism that she actually created, how, how they would view her, coming back to her in the end times. Satanic posers will impersonate Mary in future apparitions of the Virgin worldwide, including communistic countries, to bring the world under Satan's Antichrist. Um, and they've got a picture here of Semiramis and Tammuz in hell, and she's saying, thank you, Master, to Satan. And Satan says back to her, Semiramis, I couldn't have done it without you. It's, it's true. It's pretty much true. It's kind of a hallmark moment there, you know. They ought to make this into a greeting card or something. Anyway, I heard Hallmark this week's got their own little vaccination schedule 
uh, Hallmark cards now where you can get uh, keep track of the vaccination record in the actual greeting card itself. It's something that, to that effect. So it was really special. So anyway, the devil knows his time is, is running out. Jesus is coming soon and Satan is desperate. The apostle Peter said of Jesus, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12 Not Mary. There is none other name. None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. None. It goes back to Mary talking and she was saying, if if she was allowed to talk, if I didn't believe that, I would be calling God's word a lie. And I would never do that. Beloved Catholic families have been betrayed for centuries. Jesus Christ himself said, come out, of, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues, in Revelation 18.4. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house, Acts, 30, Acts 16.31. So, and then it goes on to say, it says, to learn more about the true doctrines of the Catholic Church, see Understanding Roman Catholicism, and uh, I give you a link to this track, and then if you want to know, uh, as far as just the subject of salvation, go to my homepage at contendingfortruth.com and just click on the tab that says True Salvation and just listen to those audios in the uh, order they're listed and that'll walk you through everything. Uh, I like to be very, very thorough when it comes to the subject of salvation. I don't like to just have some uh, little thing. And, and granted, I know with a track you've just got so much to work with. But a little thing on the back, with a little prayer, I'm not really, I'm not saying God couldn't use that to get somebody saved. I'm not saying that. But I like to be very thorough. And if possible, I like to point people to my actual audio teaching I've done on this. So that they understand clearly salvation and then the process that takes place afterward. Overcoming, bearing the cross of Christ, how baptism fits into things. you know. And you just can't cover all that in a track. There's just no way. Uh, so anyway, um... And again, I don't mean to say God's hand is shortened that it cannot use a track to lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that either. I'm just talking about ideally. So, let's go back to these original verses um, that we had talked about before. Revelation 12, 1 through 6. Now, this is just what I added in tonight, this last part that we talked about here. And I cannot let the Pope spew out this blasphemy, this false false Bible teaching that we just got from the Pope, and not counter it. I I just can't do that. I have to respond to this. So, um, there were some comments to that article that we read, and one of them was that said, now this is the comment to actually... um, I don't know if I want to say this yet or not here. The comment was, now this was to to the article on the Pope and all this stuff, all the false things the Pope said. They posed the question, Mary as the woman of the apocalypse, while Mary is indeed the mother of Jesus in the flesh, the woman spoke of in the passage of Roman 12 is really Israel. How do we know? Because God has already revealed to us whom the woman is with the sun, the moon, and the 12 stars. And you can find it in Genesis 37, 9 through 11. Brought up a very good point here. A point that wasn't even 
mentioned in the study Bible that I was looking at. Very, very interesting point. We're going to get into that. Uh, And then they go on to say, this is how we identify the woman because Revelation is prophetic and has a lot of symbolism. So it is important to find the key from other parts of Scripture. Through it, this may seem to be Mary, yet it's not talking about Mary. Remember what I said? Well, yeah, it's, it's on the surface you could say, well, yeah, it's a woman. She bore the man-child. It's Jesus Christ, so it has to be Mary. No, no. We want to we look at what is the true symbolic meaning of this woman, okay, in Revelation. And then another man writes, now I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to let them say their comments first, and then I'm going to go back, and we're going to do a thorough Bible study on this. Um, a man named Mike says, respectfully, the woman in Revelation 12.1 is indeed Israel and not the church. We know that this... This, for the church, did not bring forth the child Christ Jesus. Israel did, but rather Christ brought forth the church. Um, So that's another good point he brings up. Now, we're going to actually go back and we're going to read these verses one by one, and then we're going to go to all the different cross-references for each verse. Not saying that every cross-reference that would possibly exist in the Bible, but hopefully enough to get the point across that the Pope is full of hot air regarding this particular subject, and totally off-base, and not even biblically close to being right. So, if we go further, Revelation 12.1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Okay, so this is the, the first thing that we're, we're dealing with here. Okay, and let's just go first to Revelation Notice it says a crown of 12 stars. Okay. Revelation 7, 4 through 8. If we go to Revelation 7, 4 through 8. Now, I don't have all these verses I'm going over right now listed. I did not have time to individually put each one of these in. For the sake of time, just if you're listening to the audio, you have to write those down. Normally have all the stuff listed, but I just didn't have the opportunity today because of the time. So, uh, Revelation 7, 4 through 8. Again, what are we talking about here? And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of Israel. Okay, these were the Jewish male virgins. Okay, if you don't believe that, just read Revelation 7 and Revelation 14. Okay, gets into it specifically. The Jewish male virgins, the 12 tribes in the, in the book of Revelation, the, the 12,000 from each tribe that were sealed, 12,000 times 12, 144,000 Jewish male virgins that were sealed in their foreheads. Okay, Now, notice, it says in verse chapter 12, verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Okay, 12. 12 being the tribes of Israel. Now, let's give you some more confirmation there. Remember the comment that was just said about uh, Mary as the woman of the apocalypse? I'll just read it to you again. While Mary is indeed the mother of Jesus in the flesh, the woman spoken of in the passages of Revelation 12 is really Israel. How do we know? Because God has already revealed to us who the woman is with the sun, the moon, and the 12 stars. You can find this in Genesis 37, 9-11. So let's go there. Genesis 9... Really, all we need is Genesis 9 and 10. This is Joseph, okay? And this is when Joseph was having these dreams about his mom and dad and his his brothers bowing down to him. Now, this is the start of the Jewish race here, 
Okay? The 12 tribes of Israel is what we're dealing with here. Okay? And so, this is the very infancy of, you know, we have Abraham, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and these types of things. So, again, this is, this is the infancy of Israel, what we're talking about here. So, Joseph, had, uh, in Genesis 37, 9, says, And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. Obeisance means they basically bowed down and worshipped him, or, or, or bowed down and honored him, I should say. Maybe not worship, but obeisance. Okay, isn't that funny? He says, I dreamed a dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance. Why is it eleven? Because he's the twelfth. He's the twelfth tribe. So, again, you look at um, Revelation 12, 1, and is this the key to unlocking this verse? Well, it does line up, because it says, And there appeared a great wonder in the heaven, the woman clothed with the sun and the moon, and under her feet upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Okay, in this dream that Joseph had, he said, I dreamed a dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars made, made obeisance to me. He's the twelfth star. It's a, it's like a little thing that unlocks this in the Bible. Okay, it unlocks it. And, and again, what the person that made this comment said, this is how we identify the woman because revelation is prophetic and there's a lot of symbolism. So it's important to find the key from which other parts of the scripture are said to unlock this portion of scripture. This is the lock. This is, this is unlocking it. And then the next verse says, Genesis 37.10, And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves unto thee in the earth? Now remember, it said, The sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. Well, who's the sun and the moon? The father, the mother, and his eleven brothers were the were the eleven the eleven stars, he being the twelfth star. That is what it's symbolic of. Well, what would that be representative of? Well, the father, the mother, and the eleven kids, and then plus Joseph would be the twelfth. Well, that is the start of essentially Israel. That is the very you know time when Israel was literally brought into being. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob with the twelve sons. This is what we're in reference to here. So when it says the woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a, twelve, a, head, of, a head of a crown of twelve stars, we're in reference to Israel. And then when we say twelve stars, then we go back to Revelation 7 and we look at the twelve tribes of Israel that we just talked about. Okay, now... If that's all you had to go on, you could say, yeah, yeah, but this and that. But yeah, but when you take all of these verses in context, it becomes painfully obvious that this is exactly the case, what I just said. Let's go to the next verse. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, in pain to be delivered. Okay, so she being with child, cried, travailing in birth, in pain to be delivered. Okay, what does this mean? All right, let's go to Isaiah 66, verse 7. This is a quite a Bible study. Uh, Isaiah 66, verse 7. And I'm flipping there. I, I don't, again, I don't have these verses. Um, 
Okay, Isaiah 66, verse 7. Okay, so, uh, let's see here. And she being with child, travailing at birth, and pain to be delivered. Okay. Now, skipping ahead to verse 5, I just want to say this real quick, then I'm going to go to Isaiah 66. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and unto his throne. Okay, she is the same is the same woman in verse 1 and 2. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, Israel clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered, jumping forward to verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Rod of iron? You mean like Jesus Christ will during the thousand year millennial reign of Christ on earth? Yeah, that's the same one. So this is definitely Jesus Christ is the child we're in reference to here. And we're going to come back to that. But notice it says a man child. Okay? Where else is that term used? Isaiah 66 verse 7. Before she travailed, she brought forth, before her pain came, she was delivered of a man child. And then it goes on to say, who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion traveled, she brought forth her children. Um, I shall bring to birth, and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord. Shall I cause to bring forth, and shut the womb, saith God. But the, the key verse you really want to key on here is, again, a very, very similar context in Isaiah 66, verse 7. Before she travailed, she brought forth, before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Okay, and again, these verses, um, uh, we're, we're dealing a lot with Israel here and these types of things in this particular context. So, if we go to the next verse, which is Micah 4.10. Okay, Micah 4.10. Uh, let's see, Micah 4.10. Be in pain and labor, O, to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail, O daughter of Zion. Again, we're, we're in reference to um, Israel and these types of things. Like a woman in travail, for now shall thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. There shall thou be delivered. Therefore the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of the enemy. Now if we jump ahead, these are verses that, that kind of relate to what we're talking about here. If we, ju- if we jump ahead here, to the next chapter. It says, Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon his cheek. This is in reference to Jesus Christ. Okay? But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. This is in reference to Jesus Christ being born in Bethlehem. Okay? And it said in the verse before that, they will smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon his cheek, which is what happened at the, you know, prior to his death, before, you know, as he was going to the cross. And then verse 3, Therefore he will give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth, and the remnant of the brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. So these are some verses that relate to this particular portion of Scripture. Uh, let me just check something here. 
Okay, so just those are some things that kind of relate to what we're talking about here. Uh, let's go further. Uh, just go back to verse 2. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. Uh, and then verse 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. Okay, now, if we go to verse 9. Again, what is the great dragon? The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which delivered the whole which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out of the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So, the dragon that is referenced here, the great red dragon that's referenced here, okay, is really Satan, is what we're talking about. It defines that in verse 9. Okay, so, uh, and he, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them uh, to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be uh, delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Okay, now, the Pope's saying that this is Mary and this type of stuff, and and again, we've proven, hopefully at this point, convinced you that we're in reference to Israel. Where did Jesus come from? Well, Jesus came, was an Israelite, okay? That bloodline lineage, both, both Mary and Joseph, even though Joseph wasn't his... Uh, Joseph would be considered, I guess, a stepdad. Because his father was literally Father God in heaven, Jesus Christ. That was his father. Okay, Joseph would literally be considered his stepdad. But I've done a whole teaching on this regarding the bloodline of Joseph and the bloodline of Mary. If you trace their lineage back, it is a pure stock. You can trace it all the way back. And it, and it fulfills a lot of different scriptures um, regarding that. So, the dragon... Satan was essentially, um, the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Okay, now, where do we see reference of this? Where do we see reference in the Bible that before Jesus Christ was born, there was a plot to devour him? Okay, let's go. Matthew 2, 13-18. Matthew 2, 13-18. This is very interesting. Matthew 2, 13 through 18. Okay, here we go. And when they were departed, now this is, this is when like Jesus was born in that time frame. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Satan had basically been working through Herod to try to find out if Jesus had been born, where he had been born, where he was at, because he was, Herod was threatened by him. Okay, And how do we know that? Because if we go back to verse 3 of Matthew 2, it says, When Herod the king had heard these things, uh, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. The, the previous verse says, saying, Where is he that was born the king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. And th- these were the, uh, the wise men. Okay, and Herod didn't like this. Okay, it was a threat to him. So Satan essentially came and tried to work through Herod in order to get to Jesus to kill him. Okay, so let's go further. The angel said, For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him, meaning Jesus. When he arose, he took the young child... Jesus and his mother by night and departed in e- into Egypt and there and was there until the death of Herod 
that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of by of the Lord by the prophet saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Okay, so he actually went into Egypt and then he was actually called out of Egypt after Herod died. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men because they had given him the wrong information, was exceedingly wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. Remember we just talked about that prophecy in Bethlehem that said out of Bethlehem will come the... Well, this is where he was born. Another confirmation that, you know, the Jesus Christ of the Bible is a true historical figure that was accurately predicted hundreds and hundreds of years before he was ever born. So, going further... Herod slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to that time, which had, which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. I mean, this is one satanic dude. Killing all the little babies two years and under? I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, then was fulfilled that which was spoken of by Jeremy the prophet. Even that was predicted by Jeremiah. Uh, and then it says in verse 18, and this is basically quoting Jeremiah 31, 15, which says, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and they would not be comforted because they are not, meaning they have all been killed. So, when we see here that in verse 4 of Revelation uh 12, verse 4, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. This is the dragon, this is Satan. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for her to devour her child as soon as it was born. Okay, well, you could, if you went back to the Pope's thing, you could say, yeah, well, that really was Mary that was, that was standing before. Yeah, but hold on, the story's not over here. Mary's not around now. And this is a verse that deals with the tribulation. Mary's not going to be on the earth during the tribulation. So, again, if you define what is the woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head the crown of twelve stars. Okay? We're dealing with Israel. Okay? Again, you go back to those verses in Genesis. Um, you go back to the twelve tribe concept of Israel. And then we're going to cover some other things that it cannot be Mary. There's just no way. Because she's not going to be on the earth during the tribulation, number one. And there's other reasons, too. So, uh... Let's go further. So that is a great example of how the dragon was standing there to literally try to devour Jesus Christ when he was born. Let's go to the next verse. And she brought forth a man-child. Now, wasn't she an Israelite? Wasn't she of the stock of Israel? From a bloodline genealogical standpoint? Yes, so was Joseph. Joseph had nothing to do with the birth of Christ. But yes, she was. She was the chosen vessel for that. She was a Jew that was the chosen vessel predicted to bring forth a virgin conceiving Jesus Christ. So, going further, she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Now, this is in reference to Jesus Christ, obviously. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. All right, well, let's look at that. Uh, let's go to Psalm 2, verse 6. Psalm 2, verse 6. Well, let's get some confirmation about this rod of iron uh, thing. Rod of iron scripture. Psalm 2, verse 6. Well, here, let's just... Uh, 
I'll just go to verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision, meaning the wicked. Then he shall speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Okay? And um, this king here is Jesus Christ. And I will declare the decree the Lord has sent has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now, the son is capitalized there in the King James Bible. So, thou art my son. This is the father literally talking to his son. Ask of me, and I will show, and he's saying this to Jesus Christ. The father saying this to Jesus Christ. Uh, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron... Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Okay, so this is in reference to Jesus Christ. Ruling with a rod of iron. Where else does it say that? Well, there's many places, but let's just go over um, a couple more. Revelation 2.27. If we go to Revelation 2.27. Let's see here. Revelation 2.27. And he meaning Jesus Christ, shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter, shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. Okay, there's another verse that talks about Jesus Christ ruling with a rod of iron. Uh, Another verse, uh, Revelation 19.15. Revelation 19.15 says, um, and And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and he, and with it, he shall rule and smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Again, a reference to Jesus Christ. So hopefully we've established that the man-child that was brought forth was Jesus Christ. And when Satan was there to try to devour him, when he was delivered, okay, that's in, that's totally confirmed by Herod trying to kill all the, all the babies uh, to the point where Herod would kill all the babies in that region two years old and under, just hoping that he would get Jesus in that. And that's why Jesus, that's why the angel instructed Joseph to take uh, Mary and Jesus into Egypt until Herod died. And then he came back. So, it all makes sense if you you think about it here. Now, let's go further. So, okay, so, and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. We've covered that. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. When did that happen? When Jesus Christ was resurrected on the third day? After he defeated Satan after the cross? The third day he rose again? Well, that's when he, Jesus Christ, was caught up unto God and to his throne. Okay, where does it say that in the Bible? Because I can just say it, but let's give you the Bible verses. Um, okay, Luke twenty four fifty one. Now, again, this isn't exhaustive. There's other verses you could you could get into to prove this, but these are just some verses for you. Luke twenty four fifty one. Luke twenty four fifty one says, and it came to pass, and again, this is the end of the book of Luke here. Okay? And uh, this is after Jesus had come back, after he had come out of, uh, been resurrected, and, and came out of the tomb, and and had been seen of, of you know thousands of people, essentially. And this is the very end of the book of Luke, essentially. Uh, verse 51, And it came to pass, while he, meaning Jesus, blessed them, he parted from them and carried and was carried up into heaven. And carried up into heaven. 
Um, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So this is a confirmation that people saw him carried up into heaven, which fulfills uh, the child was caught up under the throne, unto God and to his throne. Okay, in verse 5 of Revelation uh, 12. Okay, where's another verse where it states that? Okay, Acts 1, 9 through 11. So let's go to Acts 1, 9 through 11, where we can get some more confirmation of this. Acts 1, 9 through 11. Um, and just go back one verse. But ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, this is Jesus Christ speaking, and in Judea, and in all Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white appearance, which were, like, essentially angels, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go in heaven. So when he comes back, he's going to go the same way he came. He's going to, he went, was carried up into heaven, into the clouds, and when he comes back, he's coming back from heaven, in, from the clouds, you know, to where we're at. So, again, that's more confirmation there. So, I, I just want you to be real clear on what these verses mean. So, let's go further here. Next verse. In the last verse, and the woman fled into the wilderness, where she had the place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. So the woman fled into the wilderness. Now this is during the tribulation. How can this be Mary if this is the Mary of the Bible and you know she's fleeing into the wilderness during the tribulation? She's not even here. Again, it's Israel that's in reference to here. So, let's let's prove this a little further here. Uh, she fled into the wilderness. Okay. Going to verse 14 of Revelation 12. Well, actually, let's go to verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, uh, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Okay, Israel. And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Okay, her place. Well, there's some conjecture on what that could be. Uh, we know it's the wilderness. Hosea 2.14 might be the key. Uh, I'm not going to be totally dogmatic about it, but it does give kind of an interesting uh, point that it may be it. Let's go to Hosea 2.14 and see what that has to say. Hosea 2.14. Now, again, what is Hosea 2.14 in reference to? Hosea 2.14 is the chastisement of, granted, Gomer from a, just a, like, if you're just looking at it from straightforward, okay, there's no symbology here at all. Well, it's actually also the chastisement of an adulterous Israel as well. Okay, this is what it's really representative of. Okay, so... Um, after Israel has been chastised in these types of things, it says in verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will allure her. Hmm, I will allure her. Israel is actually, in this sense, okay, you could say it's Gomer, okay, Hosea's wife, 
adulterous wife, but in this sense, it's in reference to her, God's talking here. So there's a very good chance that this is actually the her, the Israel that we're in reference to here. I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness. Hmm, isn't that where it's said in Revelation 12? And we are talking about Israel, the adulterous wife to be restored here, essentially. I will um, allure her, meaning allure, meaning like he's going to allure her, uh, um, into the wilderness, and speak comfortably unto her, and I will give her vineyards from thence, and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there, as in the days of her youth, and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Okay, so again, uh, and it shall be in that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, and shall no more call me Bali. Now, Ishi, actually, uh, if we look at the definition, is my husband. Um, and um, going further, and it says, For I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth, and they shall no more be, be remembered by their name. Now, this would kind of make sense if this was Israel, because Israel right now, the Bible says that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Okay, so when Israel finally starts to get her eyes opened, there is going to be a mass awakening. And I've got into this before. You look in Zechariah and these types of things. That actually two-thirds of Israel, unfortunately, will be wiped out, but a third will be tried through the fire. And this is part of the fire that they're going to be tried in. In the second half, most likely the second half of the tribulation here, where they're going to be in the wilderness, and they're going to be refined as fire, and then they're truly going to have their eyes open, and they're going to look upon whom they've pierced as one, as looking upon their only begotten son that they had done it to. Meaning, when they said to um, uh, Pilate there, crucify Jesus, give us Barabbas, Barabbas the murderer, let his blood, meaning the blood of Jesus, be upon us and our children, they corporately brought a curse upon them, a curse they asked for, and it had a lot to do with blindness happening to them. And I've done a whole teaching on this, and it's, it's, not, it's not like I'm against Israel or the Jews. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just from a biblical standpoint covering why have things worked out the way they've worked out regarding Israel. Okay, are we, can we look at this... Um, logically, and look at this and say, okay, well, yeah, I mean, they, they did this, and this is one of the reasons why they've had so much trouble with persecution and being dispersed and these types of things ever since the time of Christ. They've corporately brought this upon themselves. Blindness apart has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in, as it says in the New Testament. So, um, we're looking at this where you're bringing this adulterous wife back in to the wilderness, specifically that word is used. And then God is going to speak comfortably to her, and then he will give her vineyards from thence, and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. Um, and it's, it's ironic because Achor is, is actually named after Akin in the Bible. Akin, his actual word, mean, his actual name means trouble. And Akin was the one that when they went into Jericho, and God said, don't take anything out of there, nothing, everything's so, in other words, everything's so cursed, if you take anything out of the city, you're going to bring a curse on yourself. Akin disobeyed orders, got the Babylonian garment, the several wedges of silver, brought them, buried them under his tent, then they went to the battle of Ai, uh, Israel, and they lost like, I don't know, it was 26 or 29 guys. 
And they went and they inquired unto the Lord. And the Lord said, the reason you lost the battle is because there's sin in your camp. And then they inquired of the Lord, well, who, who brought the sin into the camp? And then they said, well, he narrowed it down where it was Achan. And they actually took Achan out and stoned him, his whole family. I mean, it was, it was bad. I mean, God didn't, I mean, Old Testament times, it, it was, uh, God didn't, I mean, not saying God messes around now, okay, but it was very, um, very, very black and white. And he had to be destroyed. And this is what they named that valley after. The Valley of Acor. But he's actually going to give them that valley for a door of hope. And again, I've done a whole teaching on um, imprecatory prayers and a Christian's door of hope. Um, you can key that in in the search box, kind of relating to this subject. So again, I can't get dogmatic if that's exactly where they're going to be led to. Uh, but there is some similar parallels there, specifically talking about the wilderness and there's a lot of parallels there. So, again, just as a kind of an interesting side note. Now, let's go further here. Um, and then let's cover the very last part of verse 6. Uh, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she had the place prepared of God, and they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Okay, so where do we see this a thousand hundred and three score days? Well, let's go to Revelation 11, verse 2 and 3. Um but the court which was without the temple leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall tread shall they tread underfoot forty and two months okay and I will give thee power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand uh, two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth okay so if we go back to verse two here it seems that there's a lot of mention of 42, of 1,203 score days, which is literally exactly 42 months, if you do the math. If you divide 1,203 score days is 1,260 days. If you divide that by 30, the average month, you get exactly 42, or 42 months. So, but the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles... And the holy city shall they tread underfoot 42 months. Okay, so for 42 months, this is going to be, uh, is given unto the Gentile and the holy city shall be tread underfoot for 42 months. Most likely in reference to the last half of the tribulation. Now this would make sense because if the Antichrist commits the abomination of desolation at the midpoint of the tribulation, Okay, if he does that at the midpoint, then, and then it talks about those in Judea flee under the, you know, get out of there. Well, the Antichrist is going to take possession primarily of Jerusalem in the last half of the tribulation. The Jews, the man-child, or I'm sorry, the woman in this particular case, is going to flee into the wilderness to the place where God has prepared for her. Okay, this is the remnant Jews, I believe. Um, I don't know whether it's going to be just the one third of the Jews or whether the Jewish nation as a whole is going to, is going to be there. And then two thirds of them are going to perish in the wilderness. I don't really know how, how exactly that's going to work out. I can't say that. Um, but it's saying that the Gentiles and the Holy city shall be tread underfoot for 42 months. 
Okay, And then it says in the next verse, And I will give thee power to my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. The two witnesses of Revelation. Most likely, this is Enoch and Elijah. The only two people in the Old Testament that never died, but were taken up. Remember Elijah in the fiery chariot? And then uh, Enoch walked with God and he was not? Well, that's where they're going to be. Now, they're going to be protected in Jerusalem, you know, to do this. But, uh, anyway, and, and, and again, these are definitely the two witnesses we're talking about. It says, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. <laughs> and these are power to shut heaven that, that it, uh, that it rain not in the days of the prophecy, and have powers over waters to turn them into blood, and to smite the earth with the plagues as often as they will. Woo! Man! Not two guys you want to mess around with. Let me tell you. Uh, but notice, that's 42 months. They're going to be allowed to do this. Okay? 42 months. And it's saying the Gentiles, for it is given unto the Gentiles, under the holy city, they shall tread underfoot 42 months. So, the two witnesses of Revelation, 42 months in Jerusalem. The Gentiles are going to be given, it appears, the um, city of Jerusalem, 42 months. Then, it says here, going forward to verse 6, And the woman fled unto the wilderness, where she had a place prepared unto God, that they should feed her there... 1,203 score days. 42 months. She's going to be in the wilderness. 42 months. Can't go to Jerusalem. It's going to be occupied by the Gentiles. But the reason the two witnesses are going to be able to be there is nobody's going to be able to mess with them. Now, I understand in the end they're overcome. But I just think it's an interesting parallel there that we have all of this cross uh, confirmation here. Now, let's also go to Revelation 13.5. Revelation 13.5 says, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. This is when Satan's really going to kick it into high gear. These last forty-two months. Okay, so I just did a little math here. and I mean, this is elementary regarding Revelation. Okay, forty-two, three and a half years. Okay, so you got the first half of the tribulation, forty-two months. Okay, you've got the abomination of desolation being committed. Okay? Uh, the Antichrist going into the temple, proclaiming himself to be God, essentially. Just look at uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay, it's, it, it talks about that. It talks about it in other places when you see the abomination of desolation committed. Okay, in Daniel and in, in the Gospels and these types of places. Okay, then the Antichrist is going to kick into high gear. Then there's going to be another 42 months where these other things are going to happen. The woman is going to flee to the wilderness. She's going to have to flee. And this is why when Jesus Christ talks about in Matthew 24, I guess we could go and look at that, which is actually representative of, I believe, the woman fleeing into the wilderness. I, don't, I can't see any other application here. All right, we're right here. It says in Matthew 15, Jesus Christ talking, When ye therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, Meaning the rebuilt temple in the Holy of Holies, most likely. Okay, he's going to go there, proclaiming himself that he is God. How do we know that? Well, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
And I'm not saying it's the only place to confirm it, but it's one of the places you can confirm it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's the abomination of desolation, when the Antichrist actually commits that. Okay, That's what he's going to do. So, Jesus Christ said, when ye therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, uh, where's that spoken at? It's spoken in Daniel 9.27. Uh, when you see him stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which are in Judea flee into the mountains. Now I believe this is representative of the woman, Israel, fleeing into the wilderness here. Okay, Let him which is on the housetop uh, not come down to take anything out of the house. Neither let him which is in the field return back for his clothes, and woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation. Because why? Because this is great tribulation. This is the second half of the tribulation. The second three and a half years. The second 42 month period. Um... For then there shall be great tribulation, such as what was not the beginning of the world, to this time, no, nor shall ever be. And except those days be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So again, there's more confirmation of what we're in reference to here. So let me just go back to Revelation 12 and see if, I, I'm sure I missed stuff, but uh, hopefully you're, you've got the point here that the Pope is full of hot air regarding this whole thing of his totally unbiblical assessment of the um, the woman and the man-child. Totally 100% off base here. So now, let's go ahead and let's go back to our article here. And I think I've covered everything here now. Uh, I tell you what, might as well just switch gears and go ahead and uh, go into the next part of the study. I guess it's going to be part four. <laughs> I'm just, just i got to go to page 35 here. Um, but I'm only on page 16. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead, go to part four. I'm going to try to get as much of this done as I possibly can and get it up online. Um, because I really believe this is very important stuff. It seems to be this whole Marian thing. This whole Mary, it, it just seems to really be figuring in now to the end time delusion, the end time deception that is going to deceive the vast, vast majority of everyone on the planet. So what I'm trying to do is prepare my listeners and the body of Christ to be able to face this head on. When these, t- when these things start happening, you'll hopefully know exactly what's going on and be able to expose it. And it's not going to shake your faith because you have built your house on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And when the winds come and the waves come and all these types of things, you're not going to be moved because you've built your house on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. So, God bless you and we'll see you in part four.